Hey guys, welcome to episode 23 of the 1023 Soul Shop Talk podcast. Today I sit down with Rob Simmons in Washington to talk about his experience in the diesel industry, uh, the repair, diagnostics, a um, little bit of little bit of everything from this guy. Seems like he's kind of a jack of all trades when it comes to to repair. Um, I think this is going to be a good conversation. This is going to be a video and audio. So if you're on the regular podcast platforms and you want to see the video of it, we just did it over a Zoom call. Uh, feel free to jump on YouTube. All of our podcasts are getting posted there. If you're interested in seven, three parts or just need some advice on a build or whatever, feel free to reach out. Our phone number is one 773 Sorry, I somehow messed up my own phone number. Or you can visit our website. It's 1023diesel.com. Additionally, if you are interested in joining the podcast and you want to talk about a past build, other diesel stuff, car stuff, racing, you want to talk about your shop, you want to talk about whatever. If you're a manufacturer, um, feel free to uh, check out. There's a link below in the description where you can sign, you know, set up a form, you know, let us know what it is that you want to talk about. You can jump on here and we can we can visit together. But here's my conversation with Rob. We I think good? we should be working now. There we go. How's that microphone sound? Because I and I unplugged my external one. Oh, it's fine. Okay. Yeah, I, I bought this one off Amazon because, you know, I was like, yeah, I think we're going to be doing this podcast deal, so I'll try it. And it's been glitchy. Like, half the time it works, half the time it don't. It worked like an hour ago. Yeah. <laughs> of course, when it comes down to crunch time, never. <laughs> That's how that works every time. Yeah. Well, yeah. How's it going, man? Good. I'm going to work on adjusting my audio down just a tiny bit here. Yeah. All right. Uh, say something beautiful. <laughs> something beautiful. There we go. <laughs> cool. I think that's better. Awesome. Didn't want to end this with blown eardrums. So. Right. Yeah, no doubt. I got gotcha. you. So you work at a shop, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I work for a school district. So, uh, so right now I'm just by myself, 180 pieces of equipment and me. <laughs> oh crap. Yeah, dude. It's been a lot to handle. Yeah, it's a it's a mess. <laughs> but hey, you know, I've been doing it long enough. I can I can adapt. And it's I don't know, it's weird being in the shop I'm in right now because it's uh it's gas and diesel and you know, backhoes, excavators, dump trucks, all the way down to mowers and chainsaws, you know, so it's everything in between. It's definitely, definitely a shock compared to what I've been doing. <laughs> yeah. So. so we had done a build plan a couple of weeks ago, just kind of going over your seven, three. And yep. when you had filled that out, you had mentioned um, that you, you recognize that everyone has a different viewpoint. Everybody comes from somewhere different. And especially in this, in this, you know, in the automotive or equipment or whatever industries, um, there's so much knowledge to be shared from every aspect and no one person knows everything. And, um, and so that led to a pretty good conversation. I think we ended up talking for like an hour, an hour and a half. And, um, and you said you appreciated the podcast here in this podcast is nothing other than just the ability to share information. So I'm glad you could jump on here and do this. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm, uh, it's a privilege to be here. Honestly, you know, like I said, I've listened to all of them. I'm on my second run of going through them. Uh, I just finished up, uh, uh, the future, uh, diesel tuning with you and Vaughn. And I didn't catch the end of it the first time 
through that I listened to it. And the second time through the, like the last one minute is just, it's priceless, dude. <laughs> I don't even remember that one. So I have to yeah. go back and listen you, to it myself. You, yeah. Yeah. Just take a listen. It's, it's yeah. good. <laughs> it's just like, it's that, you know, just, you know, you don't like it. Don't listen. That's the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's nope, like, that's... Yeah, yeah. This guy's honest. I just, you know, and that's the thing is, there's so much misinformation because of, mm-hmm. you know, everybody going down these Google rabbit holes and YouTube rabbit holes. And, and granted, you know, there's mechanically minded people in the world, but, you know, there's also a lot of guys that can get themselves in a lot of trouble, you know? Yeah. Well, the, and the thing, there's a lot of good information out there for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, learning how to parse what's true and what isn't can be difficult because especially like if you dive into like where a lot of good information is going to be is like the forums from you know 20 years ago um and the forums are full of nothing but a very a lot of very hard opinions of recycled information that just it just gets repeated over and over and over again um to the point where you know people that are in forums constantly and that's their whole world uh seems like they kind of have a hard time being willing to learn anything else you get a lot of confirmation bias and um yeah. and so then it just seems like fact because everyone said so and yeah. uh, and on top of that granted these are older you know seven threes which is what i'm into is like it's older trucks and so a lot of the people we deal with they they get information from forums um but it's maybe not accurate anymore because that was 15 years ago and there's mm-hmm. a lot of things that have changed in that time so I, I think that, you know, opportunities like this to sit down with, you know, different perspectives and different backgrounds and um, it's pretty cool. <laughs> so what I wanted to ask you, you so you work uh, at a shop in a school district now, you're saying you pretty much work on everything you've got mm-hmm. from chainsaws to lawnmowers to, I'm guessing school buses or excavators or no, no school, buses. no school buses. Okay. <laughs> Never. Sorry. <laughs> I did it. I did I it that before. <laughs> I did it before. I'll never do it again. I worked for international actually on the school bus side, on the IC side. And dude, I'll, yeah, I, I'll, I run from school buses. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Fair enough. That'll stay out of this discussion. <laughs> uh, it's all good. You can bring it up. I mean, I'll end up probably bringing it up because that's where a lot of the, you know, like I come from the, the, the school of the T triple four E rather than the 7.3. You know, when I learned it, it was the T triple four E, you know, it, mm-hmm. You, you know, you'd see seven threes and trucks and stuff, but it was never, I was, it wasn't something that grabbed me. Cause I was like, oh, these things are slugs, you know, cause yeah. they, you know, pushing a 45 foot bus with 80 kids on it and yep. <laughs> barely get out of its own way. <laughs> yeah. But they sound cool. I mean, yeah. Seven yep. threes running around everywhere. Yeah. So what was your, is that, is that how you got started was international or was that, where's your, where's your beginnings of so honestly, my beginnings start with old A-body Mopars, man, gas engines chasing, you know, gas horsepower as a kid. And uh, my friend's dad drag raced. And um, so he taught me a lot. And uh, initially, the plan was to go into heavy equipment operation. And I got roped in by the mechanic to coming in and helping change oil on the weekends. And uh, this is on, you know, John Deere and CAT equipment. And uh I just had, you know, a special skill set that allowed me to get it done quick. And uh, so I just, I, you know, I started wrenching and fueling and all that in a, in a gravel pit. And so it, it just started on heavy equipment and uh, I saw what these things were capable of doing. 
you know, I mean, you know, like cat 988s and, and 992s and, you know, these John Deere six and seven fifties and big D 11 bulldozers just pushing earth. And I'm like, well, if they can push that with that small of an engine doing that much work, mm-hmm. what are these trucks capable of? What, you know, what is the diesel engine capable of? And I quickly found out that it costs you know, pennies on the dollar to build like for like horsepower in a diesel compared to a, you know, an old school muscle car, you know? Mm. Um, and at least it was seat of the pants horsepower. And, and I slowly learned to, you know, that that was torque, not horsepower that really gave you that feeling, but (laughs) you know, as a, as a teenager and a, and an early twenties person, you want to get slammed in the back of your seat when you drive. So torque will do that for you. (laughs) Well, the nice, the nice thing with torque is, and this is why I love diesels is because you can get all the feelings without getting in trouble for speeding. So yes. Yep. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. (laughs) I don't disagree with that statement. Um, so yeah, I just, you know, I started off there and I, I messed around in a couple of gas shops and realized that the cap was really low financially. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, I was living on my own at a very young age. So I just chased that diesel world. It, It started off as finances and then it became this passion. Um, and then there was the burnout stage and, you know, then rediscovering the passion, um, a big thing that that really got me into it was was like you say the forums. Um, I was I don't know if you guys had heard of it up there, but it was um, it was NorthwestFordDiesels.com, and uh, it was you know at the time it was one of the bigger you know diesel sites, and there was you know small sects around of these little clubs that were part of the forum, you know, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I clicked up with a bunch of the guys and, you know, we'd go do these smoke on the mountain runs and everybody was trying to, you know, make their truck fast or roll coal for the cheapest amount possible. So, you know, enter the 10 K mods and the 140 volt IC or IDM mods. And, you know, you want to make smoke. There's always a joke. Oh, you can't make smoke here. Here's a plastic bag, put it over your intake. (laughs) You'll smoke. (laughs) And that's where that started. Yep. (laughs) So, you know, seeing essentially, you know, looking at an edge tuner when those things, you know, the old Nintendo paddles came out Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, putting that up next to, you know, a 10 K mod and a couple of other little things intake and, you know, the wicked wheel and uh, shoot before the wicked wheel even came around. I think what we were doing was going to the junkyard and yanking out the compressor wheels out of OBS trucks and putting them in the, the late 99s and all that. And, uh, it was like, we just did an edge evolution minus doing any programming to the tranny for, you know, 10 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Like, yeah, when you're working on a budget, seven threes were great. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and you get a little more response out of them and it changes yeah. everything. Like, yeah. Yeah. Even before, even before tuning was really a thing. Uh, yeah. Still. You complain about a 10 K mod all you want, but it uh, nowadays, but it definitely helped. Yep. Yeah. And we did, what did they call it? It was a, a guy, he called it the 19.5 K mod and it was a 10 K mod with a, an, it was the 10 K mod with a, a potentiometer in yep. the, that he put in the dash, you know, so you didn't slug out at a, when you came to a stop at a stoplight or, a, you know, whatever, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, you know, that was, that was a, 
definitely when the the passion was in it man because it was like these, these things are just crazy you, you realize how detuned they were from the factory to to make you know you know karen the the grocery getter be able to drive her husband's truck every once in a while mm-hmm. <laughs> you know nothing not saying nothing bad in that manner but yeah you know, it, <clears throat> i don't know i prefer well, an aggressive feel <laughs> yeah and that's one of the things too that um you know there we've got about a hundred horsepower worth of potential uh mm-hmm. on a stock super duty 7.3 like there's a hundred horsepower about worth of fuel left in the injectors from the factory so mm-hmm. we're running at you know two-thirds the capacity of what it was capable of power wise like that's a lot of headroom built into that <laughs> yeah yeah and huge. i mean that's the case with most diesels you know you can usually get about half again as much power out of the thing with you know tuning and a few supporting mods and that's mm-hmm. so it's, it's a lot more expensive once you get past the simple stuff but it's a lot easier to make a big difference you know than right. it is on gas engines yeah. which makes it they're just a lot of fun they sound good mm-hmm. and the fact that you can have a you know a, a fun enjoyable to drive five six hundred horsepower truck and then hook up to a trailer and tow still yep. is uh yeah it's, it's pretty amazing I just, doing yep. that with a gas engine would not be fun <laughs> oh, no, not at all no you're gonna have a lot of trouble pulling that one off yep. so you know we saw that in the in the big engine side too like uh just as an example and i i had mentioned this to you when i was talking about the the c7 huey pump uh Mm -hmm. the cat c15 engine i mean those things were like i don't know 380 400 horsepower don't quote me on it but i mean we could literally just take them to the dealership and have them you know hook up with cat et and push the 500 horsepower button or the 550 horsepower button and drive right out of the shop and there you go you know so were those those were hui also yeah and that's where i learned about hui um i had a uh i was running a shop for uh an auto hauling outfit and that's where really where i broke my teeth in on the hui system um and you can visualize a lot of it because like the ipr dumps right off into the uh uh the bypass dumps right off back into the rocker box Um, so you can see it and you can visually, you know, correlate the numbers with whatever you see for flow coming out of the bypass and, Hmm. and all this stuff. The injectors are, are different, um, cause they, you know, they use the high pressure oil, um, plus an electrical signal, plus a, uh, mechanical plunger to actuate the injector. Hmm. Um, so they're, they're a little bit different system, but I mean, Huey's Huey, you still got the high pressure pump and. And uh, I didn't, you know, I just got essentially the, the crash course on how that whole system operates, not really what numbers to be looking for, you know, um, I was being coached through a lot of the diagnostic on it. Um, but what's, what era was that? Like, I mean, when was this HUI, like I'm assuming cat started that. What was that like in the eighties? No, cat did start it. Um, but I mean, this was even, this was oh four to oh six was when i started running into seeing the the c15s and all that with the huey systems um i don't remember when they started the huey i I can't i think back in the early 90s and the the mid 90s i think the 3406 had it too Hmm. uh but uh but yeah it's you know 
they I mean it's tried and true they you know they ran it forever <laughs> yeah so it's kind of amazing like like that old technology is still so capable now um mm-hmm. i don't i don't remember exactly what the date was but uh looking through the um like some of the the old binary files from um like the calibrations on obs trucks uh, that were dated back in like the early eighties. Like, I think really? it was like 84, 85 or some of the earlier ones we've seen. And it's like to think that, that, uh, these systems were being built then is kind mm-hmm. of amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it, and then we can still, you know, make use of them now. It's, it's pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's that, you know, <laughs> the, the guys before us, you know, they're the ones who pioneered the whole thing. So mm-hmm. <laughs> and now we're just refining whatever we can, wherever we can. <laughs> yep. So, but. So on the uh, question on the cats, is there some of them that they're HUI, but like the, the, um, they don't have a separate high pressure oil pump. Is it, is, do they have a separate high pressure oil pump? Is it driven by gear? Is it driven by the cam? Yeah. Is it? Yep. Um, yeah, it's, it's gear driven, uh, usually on the driver side of the engine. Um, and then it'll be, uh, like it'll be through shaft design typically, and it'll drive your, your transfer pump. Um, mm-hmm. and a lot of the, the Huey pumps, uh, are not, they're not serviceable. So like the most you can do is maybe an ICP sensor. Cause that'll be external, but they're IPRs. I've never been able to actually dive into one and completely tear it apart. Cause it would void core, mm-hmm. um, and uh, so the IPR is all built internally into the pump. Hmm. So you, basically it's like they built those on the smaller cats. It was, I think like the the third series of Huey pump. Uh, I think it was third series. Uh, it was a go or no go, you know, it wasn't, you sit here and, you know, spend forever trying to diagnose your numbers, either your numbers are yeah. there or not, you know. Yep. <laughs> like you not. said, you, you see the flow or you don't. And then, yep. 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 That yep. make exactly. it a lot simpler. <laughs> yep. For sure. So, um, but yeah, there's a lot of that and um, a lot of common rail stuff too. You know, it's, it's, but I, I don't know. I prefer Huey. It just, I like challenges. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. my thing, <laughs> you know, cause nope. it, it keeps you fresh and keeps you thinking and you don't drone out and just, you know, it, it breaks the monotony to have to always kind of think on your toes. And when you come to dealing with Huey systems, you're always, there's always something changing, you know? So. Yeah. There's a lot to learn too. I mean, I, I'm not familiar with like the equipment side of things, but even with seven threes, um, like trying to diagnose injector problems can be such a pain in the butt. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess anything HUI, but when you don't really have any sort of data that tells you what's going on with an injector, what could be the issue with it? Once you right. get past the simple, you know, electrical side of things, um, it can be pretty hard. And like I actually just I, we had an, an we had a truck we had just put you know new injectors in and um, and it would not it like it wasn't stable below like. 600 650 psi which uh, at idle um which is not ideal you don't really i don't prefer to run icp that high at idle it's pretty rough um and you know but it was fine under load everything's fine didn't didn't miss didn't smoke didn't have anything weird going on and like trying to actually pinpoint an injector being a problem with something like that can be just such a pain in the butt 
and like stuff you you keep learning. I mean, one of the things we figured out with that one was just spending time just looking at data logs and running it um, was like uh, a, w- a good way to diagnose an injector with a fuel slide problem was watching, um, like if you can watch mass fuel desired, everything is based on, you know, your, your maximum or your, your quantity of fuel when mass fuel desired is your control of, you know, your pulse width and your ICP, essentially it's, it's how much fuel is being injected. It's an arbitrary number, but applies to, you know, whatever's underneath it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so like watching mass fuel desired versus RPM, like versus ICP. And like, if you can find stability, um, with, uh, RPM, like if our, if your truck is idling rough, um, like in this case it was, uh, but RPM is not really, you know, fluctuating, um, and you can watch mass fuel and mass fuel, um, sits, uh, stable, then you can pretty much guarantee it's going to be an injector problem because if fuel, if fuel command is not moving, RPM is not moving and you have rough or, you know, instability, then, um, then it has to be like a flow problem with an injector right. and stuff like that. That like, you can't just pull out a scan tool and be like, Oh yeah, number eight, you know, it's not, it's not that <laughs> yeah. simple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and it takes a, it takes a pretty substantial uh, failure window to get a seven, three, at least in my experience to get a seven, three to throw an injector code. I mean, yeah. it, it's it, gotta be. A, unless it's, it's electrical, gotta, like hardly yeah. happens. Yeah. 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 And that's, you know, that's interesting how you explain that because you know the way i look at it is is like the diagnostic tree and so you know you actually just shared some information with me that helps me look at the and with everyone else you know who's listening is uh watching that mass fuel desired compared to rpm and like you said if you don't see it fluctuate then you're dealing with an end of the line problem not a before the before the line problem Mm -hmm. you know so that's that's good information to know for sure yeah and it's there's so much of that stuff that you know it, it like you said it makes it it makes it interesting for sure and i'm I'm not a mechanic i don't claim to be one you know <laughs> there's way smarter people out there than me that that are mechanics but um you know the chances i do get to actually get my hands dirty which is not very often anymore <laughs> yeah uh, i do enjoy that yeah for sure it seems like you know listening to the things you've said on the podcast and the conversations you and Vaughn and some of the other guys have had it, it, I didn't realize how much diagnostic knowledge you guys actually have as, as the tuning team, you know, that's because we are everyone's mechanic (laughs) over the phone. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And that's one of the hardest things to do is, is diagnose anything over the phone. You know, like I remember hearing one thing, uh, in one of the podcasts about, uh, you know, we can't just magically fix an issue. If you can't provide us information, then we're just taking a best guess and keeping our fingers crossed. And, and, you know, yeah. if it works, it works. If it gets worse, then we back out a little bit, you know, I get, I get tired of guessing. I really don't guess yeah. anymore. I yeah, just tell people like, the, give me data or, yeah. or don't, but yeah. I can't help it, you. It, for guys who care, you know, it, it makes your stomach turn having to take a guess. Yeah. You know, it really does. And uh, that's where I'm at with it. You know, if I can't be right, it's not ego. It's just, I, you know, <laughs> I don't want to see it again, <laughs> to yeah, be honest. <laughs> yeah. You I mean, know. I guess everybody's got stories and problems and whatever. But, you know, one of the things that it's like, like I get frustrated about is somebody will call and be like, you know, hey, my truck is acting up or it randomly died or whatever. And it threw a check engine light. You know, what do you think it could be? 
it's not gonna like I could spend some time going through things with you, but it's not gonna do any good. Read right. what the code is and then go from there. It's like, yep. well, after I read the code, like what what could it be? Like uh, what are the options? And mm-hmm. it's like we we could spend all day going back and forth assuming what could be, but like start with the thing that's telling you what the problem could be. Like mm-hmm. there's no reason to waste our time with anything else. Yeah. Um, and that's hard, especially because a lot of people, a lot of people don't like they don't even know what that means. You know, like mm-hmm. I don't have a never people aren't just walking around with you know scan tools um and that's where like even something as simple as like you know you can go to i don't know about down there but anywhere up here you can go to like an AutoZone or a napa Mm -hmm. or o'reilly's or whatever and they'll at least just tell you what your codes are right that can be you know at least a starting point to go from there then you can do some googling maybe it's something simple you can you know take it to a shop and dig into it further if you need to but um if you have codes like check the codes like that should be step one (laughs) yep yeah definitely check the codes and if you have multiple you know start upstream and i see so many guys spin out on that and i've i've fell victim to it myself you know Mm. you you get more than one code and it's like okay well where do i start so okay i've got a i got a I got a, I'm going to speak on the gas side, uh, just cause it's the most recent one I can think of. I got an O2 sensor code and a mass airflow code. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I do a mechanical inspection. I've also got a broken exhaust manifold. Well, mm-hmm. hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's the manifold, you know, let's fix the manifold first, even though the mass airflow sensor is upstream, yep. you know, it's, it's the, if I got a broken exhaust manifold, I'm going to throw everything out of whack. My fuel trims are going to go nuts because I've got an exhaust leak and, you know, uh, my O2 sensor is not going to read right. Cause I'm running lean as all can be, you know? Yep. So, and the same thing happens in the diesel world. Um, one of the things that's funny with like Cummins trucks is a lot of times you'll hook up to a truck and they've got uh, like the ISB engine, which is the six, seven, mm-hmm. uh, they'll have like knock sensor codes and they're just erroneous. They don't mean nothing, but it'll spin people out mm-hmm. <laughs> trying to fix a knock sensor on it. <laughs> You're going to be searching for a while for that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's kind of a, a goofy deal. Um, but yeah, if I could give anybody any advice, it's just, you know, get your code, research your code and, mm-hmm. and start upstream, always start upstream, you know, cause it, you know, then you can work through process of elimination without going into a tailspin, you know, yep. you got a glow plug number eight and you replaced your high pressure pump. <laughs> it's like, <Yeah>. no, dude, <laughs> that's not it. Nope. Nope. Yeah, that's a good point. Cause that's, I mean, that's something we deal with a lot too. You see is like, you start, you, you start digging into diagnosing what somebody's problem could be. Like if they come to us and they're like, like, you know, they get whatever the setup may be on their truck, they've got high AGTs or something. It's like, well, mm-hmm. you know, start checking for boost leaks, start checking for exhaust leaks, like do the things that make sense. But like maybe the high pressure oil pump is the problem. If the high pressure mm-hmm. oil pump isn't maintaining ICP, you're not going to have good injection pressure. And then you're not good atomization and then your pulse width is going to be longer to compensate. And then you're going to have higher EGTs. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that, you know, um, even if they aren't the problem, like maybe you have a boost leak and you have, you know, high exhaust temps, but if your high pressure oil pump isn't keeping up, then replace it anyway. It may not fix the problem, but it is a problem and it should be fixed. Like right. there's a, there's a lot of stuff like that out there that, mm-hmm. um, and that's where it's like, you know, people, um, I think you want to search for information. Like you want a mechanic or somebody who does know like you or whatever that, um, 
that could figure out what a problem is. If you have the truck in front of you um, or the car or whatever, people want to get an answer, but like there's a lot of steps you have to go through to come to what that answer could be. And there isn't like, like you may not know when somebody says my car or truck is doing this, what it is, but you know how to like ask the right questions and look at the right things to figure out what it is. Mm-hmm. And like, that's something very few people I think can do and be good at. Mm-hmm. Like it, diagnostics it, is, it's, it takes a big brain. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a, it's a challenge and, and yeah. uh, it's very hard to relay to people and, mm-hmm. and try to help them understand. And I do the best I can at any given time. Cause I love, like if I had to find, if I had to say, you know, what, passion I had it would be for teaching you know mm-hmm. I'm, I'm my happiest when I have an apprentice in the shop mm-hmm. you know because then I can not only teach him but fill in the gaps and the things that I you know because there's so much information that goes through a person's head all day long yep. and you skip over this step and then I'm sitting there explaining it to somebody and it's like oh yeah that part I remember you know um, yep. but then you try to relay that to a customer especially uh it becomes very difficult, you know, especially if they're forum hunters or Google hunters or YouTube hunters, because, mm. you know, they say, yeah, yeah, let's just say as an example, you know, I've got a newer, you know, car and I bled the brakes out and they're still spongy. Well, did you really do the research and, and realize that you have to hook up your scanner and do a bleed through your scanner mm-hmm. <laughs> as well as a manual bleed, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Yep. Things that people you know, they get 10 guys that say bleed it this way on the internet. And so they're stuck that way. And then, you know, we, as you know, the people they came to for the answer, tell them the answer and they want to argue the answer. And that's where it becomes, a you, you have this communication breakdown and that's the challenge. (laughs) And it's hard on this side to not just be like, all right, well, fine. And I'm done. (laughs) You know, it's like, I I want to help you, but like, you kind of start to feel like a dick because at least I do sometimes like just mm-hmm. getting short with people. I'm like, uh, it's not that I don't care about your problem. It's just that it wouldn't be worth my time to try to help you with it either. Yep. And, yeah. 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 If you can't come to it with an open mind, then I can't approach you with an open mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is what it is, but you know, we all, we all do the best we can. And, you know, obviously you care about what you do. I care about what I do. I think anybody who's in a, in a mechanical profession, you know, these things, it's a, it's a constant problem. You're constantly diagnosing issues and you're constantly trying to fix something. Mm -hmm. And I think that it, in our base nature, regardless of what our egos say or or any of that is we do it because we want to help people. Mm -hmm. You know, most guys get into this because they want to, you know, help themselves and help other people to keep their stuff running and keep them on the road and keep them working. And, Mm -hmm. uh, so you know, we just, we do the best we can. <laughs> yep. So, so with yeah. your seven, three, um, you kind of had touched on looking to go a different route for fuel and oil. And, um, mm-hmm. I had pretty much said, I don't want any part of that, but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I appreciate that. <laughs> so a long, a long time ago, I cared about digging into, you know, ways to make things work. And at this point, it's cool to entertain the idea, but that isn't, I don't have time to, to deal with those things either, but I am curious what your thoughts were. Cause you had brought up something that you were, you were looking at an option for, for fuel and oil. 
Yeah. So the biggest thing I was trying to figure out was, you know, what, what adrenaline pumps run for a flow rating. And I don't have the numbers in front of me. I could pull up the email and spout all the numbers about back off, but the, the C7, uh, ACERT pumps, uh, you'd have to make an adapter plate to make them fit, but mm -hmm. they, they run, uh, essentially the pressure they could run the pressure i think of the dual adrenaline h-pop setup um and it they can as far as my math goes on a six cylinder i'm not sure what the the flow drop would be on a on a on a v8 but i was just thinking about it because you know we we look at these irate you know uh twin fuel pump setups and um what is that uh 444 fab i think makes a pump setup don't they um yep and uh uh i'm looking at it and thinking well you know this costs this and then the dual adrenaline setup you know so that i can run 600 horsepower efficiently uh costs this and it takes up this much room um well how could i kill two birds with one stone and then i got to thinking about it and was like well you know maybe the c15 uh Huey pump and transfer pump setup would work, but I, I, I just don't think it would be a good fit um, size wise. Uh, the C7, you can kind of put it at an angle and it's about a foot tall somewhere in there. So you could lay it, you know, you could potentially lay it against the passenger side if you built an adapter flange to not take up too much room. Um, but their, their optimum range, uh, like max the peak range for flow and pressure and all that stuff is at like 3300 psi or at 3300 rpm and i think we were talking about when when you know if you if i did a 600 horsepower build i wouldn't see that 600 tell somewhere around that 3200 range if i'm correct mm -hmm. um so I was like, well, you know, I don't need peak until I get to that range and, and I can get it at 33. So it would land right about there. Um, and mainly it was just, I was looking at it for space savings and serviceability. Cause I could go to any cat dealer at any given time and they're going to have a C7 Huey pump and transfer pump on the shelf. Mm -hmm. And the Huey pumps go bad. Don't get me wrong. Um, they go bad from heat a lot. <laughs> yeah uh, i mean you probably you'd probably go through a huey pump probably once every five years i would say hmm. if i had to you know if i had to be honest about it um but it would be easy to get and i wouldn't have to wait for it um yeah. and along with that is trying to figure out since we talked about turbos I've been really wrestling with the idea of compound turbos. So if I could just do one pump, uh, then it could make my routing for my, you know, my compound turbo setup easier mm -hmm. instead of trying to get around two adrenaline pumps and all that. But I haven't seen, when you look for compound turbos, it's very hard to find any good pictures of compound turbos that aren't like stock images or these really weird setups. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's several guys. Are, are you on uh, Facebook at all? I am. I'm not, not a social okay. media guy. <laughs> good choice. That was good on you. <laughs> I, I, I was, and then I left and then I, I came back. So yeah. sad for me, but um, there's a few guys that have done pretty sweet, you know, nice, clean compound kits, but most 
times you said you would if you went that route you would mount the pump on the uh passenger side of the engine well it would yeah the Huey pumps essentially the, the Huey pumps essentially right there in the valley okay uh and so it would mount to that same spot you know with an adapter plate and probably a little bit longer stub shaft off the off the uh front of the pump gotcha but you can clock that pump to like 30 or 40 degrees or something like that and still get efficiency it's a piston pump so you know you might wear one side of the of the cylinder walls um but you know you you can lay it to the side and get clearance you know mm -hmm. so if i needed to route something a different way i could choose to clock it when i build an adapter plate i could lay it to the alternator side or i could lay it to the ac pump side gotcha <clears throat> i would be interested to see that work i have I wouldn't want to tune the truck, but yeah. <laughs> it sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's kind of what I was wondering is like, well, you know, he made a good point by saying, you know, we, you know, we did that years ago playing with all these different things that work, but it's just yeah. easier to go with the stuff that sometimes it's less of a headache to go with the stuff that people are already making. You know, if you're that scared and paranoid about losing a pump, you spent enough to buy two, buy a third one. Yeah. <laughs> keep it on your, keep it, you know, keep it on the shelf, <laughs> whatever, yeah. you know. I did run a calculation for you. You had said, um, I was just looking at the email here. Yeah. I think you had said that the, the pump, like max flow was like 58 gallons an hour, I think, something like that for the fuel pump side. I think so. Um, a, you would, you would end up at 600 horsepower, you'd end up wanting um, like a 300 ish CC injector. Uh, and at max capacity, that injector would need about 66 gallons per hour. Interesting. So that wouldn't, that probably wouldn't even keep up anyway. Well, there you go. <laughs> Unless they have different options or something, but yeah. You know. No, no, no. What you, what you runs or what you, what you got's what you got, you know, they don't yeah. really modify those things. <laughs> yeah. But no, I, I appreciate that because that, you know, and that's, but you don't know unless you try and you do the digging and you do the research and you know well, it's a cool friend. idea yeah 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 it just i don't know this is the first time i've decided to really go big big <laughs> on a diesel so it's like oh yeah. let me let me try this option check this option out do this do that and i just want i want to make sure that what i put on there i'm not straining it because mm -hmm. you know you I look at it as okay well the factory detune these things for a reason and everybody preaches that you want a 7.3 that's going to go a million miles leave it alone right because we stay in this safe zone of not straining it not mm -hmm. overworking it not building a bunch of excess heat or making everything work to 100% efficiency and you spoke about this in injector tuning well why do I want to tune the peak into the injector that's going to be hard to tune I want to tune it somewhere in the middle of what it's capable of doing Mm -hmm. So if I'm going to build something that's 600 horsepower, I'm going to buy an 800 horsepower transmission. I'm going to buy, you know, things that are overkill so that it doesn't have to work as hard. At least that's the way my brain works. You mm -hmm. know, I'd rather overbuild it than underbuild it or build it to where it's running at 100% capacity all the time because that's just going to wear stuff out prematurely in my eyes. Yeah. And I think for some things that that could be true, especially like when it comes to a transmission, the parts that it would take to be reliable um, at that level, like, you know, you could get away with, and a lot of people do get away with uh, 
a, you know, not running a um, billet intermediate shaft and a billet forward drum, you can use a, like a full spline forward drum or something like that. And like, mm -hmm. that might work, but like in the case of a lot of builders, they'll say, you know, I'll warranty a transmission to 600 horsepower um, without a billet forward drum and without a billet, you know, intermediate shaft. Uh, but you can't lock the converter in second gear or something like that, where you like, that's miserable. I wouldn't want a 600 horsepower <laughs> truck. I couldn't lock in second. <laughs> It'd be totally pointless. So, um, so yeah, there's, I mean, there is something to that and, and same thing, you know, with injectors, maybe I'm just repeating whatever you had referenced earlier, but, um, in general, we want to run less pulse. Like the, the engine is going to be more efficient running relatively less pulse than at max of what you should be running to stay inside the bulls anyway, especially at high mm -hmm. RPM. Um, and so, you know, having a bigger nozzle helps with that. It's the whole point of a bigger nozzle is to get more fuel out faster um, or in the same amount of time at least. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, there are things to that. I mean, some of the stuff, you know, it doesn't do any good to stick like a, like a gen three high pressure oil pump, which, I mean, you talk about going crazy, sticking a, a log splitter pump on a seven, three to make ICP. It's like, that's a, that was a stupid idea, but it works. So, um, like there's things you can do, but I like, I would never recommend that unless you have to do it, you know, mm -hmm. um, because it's going to degradate drivability so bad. It's going to make the truck be horrible to drive. Mm -hmm. Um, and sort of can be the case with transmissions too, because, you know, if you go too far with a build, you stack clutches too tight or too many of them, or you get too aggressive with the valve body or whatever, like, um, it's fun to make 600 horsepower, but like how often are you really doing that? You know, mm -hmm. um, when you're just trying to drive around or pull a trailer, like you don't want to have to like, you know, hold your coffee very carefully. So you don't like dump it out of your cup holder every time it shifts. Like right. there's, there's pieces to all of it. that kind of have to work together for sure. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. And that, you know, I guess in the, in the long term, you know, I want to see that drivability be, you know, consistent. I don't expect it to be, uh, I don't expect it to be, you know, like, you know, mom's minivan, <laughs> but I, I, you know, I want it to be consistent. I want it to last. So yeah, exactly that, you know, build that tranny at the very least, build the tranny up. Um, gonna say something that was relatable to what you're saying but i can't remember what it was <laughs> yeah um yeah. well and that's you know one of the things that's kind of hard i think for people to choose is um just the right stuff but uh the big like one of the things i think that people don't realize is like the, the more power you want to make it's going to require a bigger turbo to get there especially when you don't have like you know variable geometry turbos um, right. and the bigger turbo you have the worse it's going to drive because you can't have power without air and right. like your injectors make power, like fuel makes power. Um, but air, your turbo determines like where that's going to be. And mm -hmm. the bigger turbo you have, the higher RPM it's going to be. And then it's not going to, it's not going to drive good either. And so like, you know, we had mentioned that as like, like, uh, it's probably not going to drive very good, um, unless mm -hmm. you learn to drive the truck again, cause it's going to be completely different. Right. You know, and somebody coming at it from your perspective, like you're like, yeah, I, I get that, you know, I fully expect that and I'm, I'm fine with it. But a lot of people I think don't like you expect that I'm going to spend $20,000 building this truck and then mm -hmm. I'm going to love it when it's done. And it's like, there's no amount of money that you can spend. That's going to one, uh, make it perfectly reliable, uh, at triple the horsepower made stock. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's not going to drive like stock anymore. No. 
And I mean, doing something like you mentioned, like if you do compounds and you can run, um, you know, something smaller in the valley, so you have that response and then still be able to make the power on the top end, then, you know, that's one way to do it. But that is just so stinking much work. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And my idea for compounds was, you know, uh, essentially to relocate the passenger side battery to the to the driver side and, and shove the, you know, the the turbo over there where the battery was and just run the air filter straight off the, off the turbo. Um, I did that on a set or we did a set of compounds on a, not we, <laughs> I <laughs> did a, uh, uh, set of compounds on a, like a 2014, uh, Duramax. And that's how their setup was, was, you know, just battery relocation and they slapped the turbo over there and mm -hmm. plumb a drain from the turbo down to the oil pan. No problem. And, you know, and, filter straight off the turbo and it seemed to do all right um but i just i don't know thinking about it over time you know since our our conversation on the build call i feel like you know compounds would just be the the less strenuous way to go i'm willing to do the work to to make it not necessarily more reliable but just to not have to work as hard you know mm -hmm. um well it, it gives you such a wide range to work in like yeah if, yeah. if you can put in the work to do it right the first time, mm -hmm. um, I mean, I, I think that's probably pretty unbeatable. Yeah. And, it, you know, I, I guess I have the a luxury that not a lot of other people have. My, my truck runs great. Uh, I have no issues with it. Um, I've done enough to keep it stout and strong, um, minus getting tunes from you guys. Uh but I have a, I got another seven, three sitting in the backyard. Just, you know, I can build it at my pace and build it the way I want to build it. And, and it's, there's no stress and pressure to say, okay, well, you know, this has to be done this weekend. <laughs> so, yeah. so that, that puts me in a, in a, in a good position to make sure that it gets done right the first time. And I got too much OCD to not have it done right. The first time <laughs> I'll flip yeah. out. Cause you know, if, if I, if I got a 600 horsepower transmission and I get on the dyno and I see 620 horsepower, I'm going to freak out. I'm like, Oh man, my <laughs> transmission's going to explode. <laughs> like, I don't want to drive it. <laughs> it's just, it's just a warranty number. It doesn't mean yeah. much. <laughs> right. Yeah. So uh, my, my first seven, three, uh, was a stock we i ran it on a stock transmission with a shift kit and a converter uh with 350 200s and a, a 76 mil charger for it, ne it never actually did broke we just we just built a new transmission for it it never wow. actually failed <laughs> so <laughs> they can work i'm not yeah. saying that's a good idea don't do that but yeah um they can be pretty amazing sometimes yeah yeah no, i'm i'm anxious to to see how it starts going you know i think uh it's going to be a lot of planning for the next couple months. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, come winter time, uh, when stuff slows down a bit, I think that's when I'm going to start biting the bullet, get the, get the engine tore down and, and get it over to the machine shop, uh, figure out what they're going to have to bore it over to. Cause I got rusty cylinder walls. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, from there make my call and see what the heck I'm going to do. <laughs> yep. So so I got a question for you. Are you familiar with uh, DT-466s? Yep. Are you familiar with getting like performance on them, like getting more power out of them? Not horribly, to be honest. It, it's been more of a more of a service side thing. Yeah. Than, 
Well, I haven't been on either side of it. My brother's got a dump truck with one. He's, he texted me the other day and he was like, he's like, dude, I hate this thing. I can't pull out in traffic. It's so stinking slow. And I know they're basically a 12 valve. I mean, it's like essentially yeah. the same thing, but um, I was like, well, I'm going to talk to a guy that might know. So yeah. I'll ask him. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll get you the information. Cause I know a guy, <laughs> yeah. I know two guys who've actually done some, some high horsepower builds with DT four sixty sixes and know a lot about the pumps and all that stuff. But yeah, for me, it was more always in the service side of things. We got in yeah. trouble if we did anything to make them go fast because it void warranty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, now uh, I have to know because we're coming up close to an hour here, but I do want to know why do you hate school buses so much? They're just, they're a nightmare to work on, you know, and I, you know, I got kids. I love kids. So <laughs> that's the disclaimer, but when you got to like lay down in the stuff like on the rear engine buses, you know, when you got, you got to work on an engine half in the bus and half out of the bus and you're laying down and all the stuff that kids, you know, leave in buses. Kids, and, kids are gross. Yeah. <laughs> it, it just comes with, I mean, yeah, we all were. Yep. <laughs> so um, yep. it just tight confines, it just tight confines. It's a pain in the neck, you know, yeah. conventionals aren't so bad, you know, but the rear engines, especially the seven threes were absolutely very, very hard to work on. <laughs> yeah. So, but you know, the, I guess, you know, everything's nuts and bolts. It's just figuring out how to get into it and actually get access to stuff. <laughs> yep. So, and we had a lot of trouble just, you know, international in general was, it was a big fight in that era, you know, cause we weren't getting a lot of help from, you know, tech services and, and stuff like that. And we were going through a lot of the emissions stuff was a big challenge back then. So mm -hmm. you fought it a lot, you know, with, with the, the max force DT, which was the electronic version of the DT 466 and you constantly chasing injector problems. Yeah. Uh, then they had a, a Huey injection system, very similar to the, you know, the six Oh, um, but, uh, I don't know. <laughs> they just, I'd work on them again, I guess, if I have to, but I, yeah, I just try not to. It'll, it'll make you old real quick. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I honestly don't know how people can be a mechanic all the time anyway. <laughs> That's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't what I, I figured I'd be doing, but you know, yeah. you just, you, you, you run with what you know and you're good at. So yep. for me, I just, I do everything I can to try to find diagnostic work and, and transmission building and engine building. You know, if I can get it on a bench, that's when I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. So do you, do you do a lot of transmission and, or engine builds? <clears throat> I do. Yeah. Engine builds on, I've done Cummins 8.6 liters, Cummins M11s, big cam 350s. Uh, I've done probably 10 Duramaxes, uh, more six O's than I can shake a stick at a couple yeah. seven threes, <laughs> some five nines, um, and uh, some 3406s. Uh, as far as transmission stuff, I've messed with a little bit of automatic, mainly, you know, 13 speeds, 18 speeds, you know, big stuff like that. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it, that's fun stuff, man. You know, and it, the 4R100, uh, you know, I would build that myself, but after doing the, the reading, I can't, cause I can't do the machining. Mm -hmm. You know, and from what I understand, there's quite a bit of machining involved in making a, you know, 800 horsepower transmission. <laughs> yeah. So I'll leave that to the professionals. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's not just cut and paste parts, but, um, I do know like we, my business partner, he does a ton of trans builds um, and mm -hmm. he does a lot of machining too. And he can put like kits together for whatever you want. So nice. I'll have to 
get you guys in touch. And if there's something you ever want to dig into, he'd probably be the guy to talk to. Yeah, for sure. I, I think, you know, transmissions scare people, but you know, if you can get a basic understanding of how hydraulics work and if you can find a donor dirt bike transmission, like, yeah, it'll give you a basic understanding of how a wet clutch works with a, you know, with all the, you know, planet shafts or planet gears and, you know, intermediate shafts and, you know, all this different stuff is just, it, it all relates. It's just doing the research and finding the right avenues that will show you how it relates, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but automatic transmissions are, they're not that big of a deal. The way I look at it is everything's nuts and bolts. If it comes apart, it goes together. If you paid attention yeah. um, and just use your common sense and make sure you have the right tools, especially on a transmission build. You know, it's not like an 18 speed, you know, transmission. I can take an 18 speed transmission apart with a torch, a hammer, a couple <laughs> sockets and a piece of rope, you know, <laughs> like, and that's no together with the same things only also with a freezer. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're, they're, they're surprisingly basic. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, they're just heavy. Um, but automatic transmissions, you just gotta have the right tools or you'll sit there and fumble for days on end, yep. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yep. So. Yeah. My, the first, I guess it was the second trans, um, that I was <laughs> part of building my, my business partner. He had, uh, he was showing me the ropes and by showing me the ropes, I mean, he stuck everything on a, on a bench and said, take it apart and put it back together. I'm like, yep. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't even know what this stuff is, yep. <laughs> but yeah. it isn't, it isn't that hard. It really yep. isn't. I mean, getting good at building something that'll hold a lot of power, you know, that takes a, uh, a lot of time and knowledge, but yep. they're pretty simple in the long run. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the, the word I'll give anybody who messes with a transmission is, you know, I learned this one the hard way. Yeah. Send your valve body out to get tested before you put everything together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cause that's the one thing you can't do. Yep. Let someone else do that. <laughs> you know, unless yeah. you've got a test bench to test, to, to test valve bodies, <laughs> yep. but yeah, no, it's uh, it's crazy stuff, man. So what is your, what is your ideal workflow? What is your favorite project to work on? A diagnostic and electrical, especially when they, you know, really? when they coincide together, that's, that's where I go. You know, it's, uh, there's a few freaks like you out there, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, I used to hate it, but I just, you know, I, it, you, you get into this, you can get into a zone if you if you work at the right shop where they're you know you don't have you got to have some pressure to keep you motivated and keep you keep you moving but if you have you know supervisors and service writers who know what it takes to diagnose complex electrical issues like multiplexing and when you've got a lab scope and you're dealing with multiple signals going down the same line mm -hmm. you know it's it's uh there's some about it, man. It's it just, if you can figure that out, like you said, there's not a lot of people that can do it. So it's, it's pretty it's, satisfying. It's pretty satisfying yeah. <laughs> to say, Hey, I figured that out. You know, yeah. yeah, we've dealt with it many times. I mean, we've had a lot of vendors in the heavy equipment world. We get a lot of vendors who, you know, we upfit buses with certain things and, and, you know, it worked in their shop when they designed it and they designed a thousand of these things. And then we go to put it on our bus and it doesn't work you know, or mm -hmm. we going to put it on our piece of equipment and it doesn't work, you know? And, uh, so we have to reinvent the wheel to try to figure out how to make their system work with our system. And it's, you know, you, 
you're redesigning overlay harnesses and you know different fuse blocks and you know there's I, I haven't had to do it but i have a friend who actually taught me electrical theory uh but he's had to you know put in you know wire up pcb boards and you know build whole systems to to make something that was supposed to work work <laughs> you know <laughs> so you run into all kinds of weird stuff on heavy equipment and and big truck it's not cut and dry like it is with us <laughs> yeah. in, in the small truck world these days <laughs> yeah so yeah that is a that is a totally different thing i i mm -hmm. am not good on that side of things that is that is right up Vaughn's alley but see and that that surprises me because you know being a tuner I would I and the way that I hear you talk about stuff it, it would seem that you have a very in-depth knowledge about it you know there's always more to learn <laughs> yeah yeah I, absolutely. I will fully admit I'm not I'm not great at anything I'm just yeah. a little bit okay at a lot of things <laughs> yeah. and and honestly that's that's the attitude i run with as well it's you know stay humble so you can always learn something you know because mm -hmm. if you don't learn something new every day i feel like you're kind of wasting your day you yeah. know and and ego will get you in trouble in a hurry <laughs> yeah. i learned that one you know in my younger years you know wrenching you know but uh yep yeah, it's it, you just stay humble and you you stay willing to learn at all times and and you're good and like I've told you on the phone during the bill call is like all that knowledge is found in between the lines, mm -hmm. you know, um, this is where you can figure out your own route of going about fixing that problem, you know. Mm -hmm. So that's where you learn and the people who are teaching you learn. Yep. Um, because if you, you know, if you shut down somebody's idea, you, you know, you lose the option of, of, uh, figure out, figuring out a different way to do it yourself. Yep. So, but. right on, man, I got to cut this thing off. So yeah, all good. Hey, I definitely appreciate your time. It's been a, been an awesome, awesome chance to talk to you. So hopefully we can do it again sometime. <laughs> Absolutely.